Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the second Sunday after the Epiphany for the week of January 14th, 2024, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to get in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this Epiphany season. I'm really excited about the science tie-in this week, and I know as we are kind of early here within 2024, it's always such a fun and inspirational time. So I'm going to put a plug in that if you enjoy this podcast, how about you share it with somebody? It'd be a great early New Year's resolution. Even if they're a week behind, it doesn't take that long to catch back up. It'd be great to have more and more listeners of this week after week this year. And I'm really excited about some of the different things that we're looking at doing this year. I think this is going to be a really fun year. And it's always fun going through this Gospel of Mark, though this week we have a Gospel out of John. But it's really fun to be thinking about, to contemplate. I think when we have the lack of descriptors that Mark gives, it's such a dry bones on how Mark kind of does the Gospel of Mark that it leaves a lot to the imagination. And it leaves us a lot of room to be able to think about things in different ways. So that's always fun. So let's look back to last week's question, which was, where are you excited within faith and science? And one of the things that I definitely got back this last week is people being excited about what we talked about last week, hearing about fusion energy and being able to utilize that in looking at that as the beginning of something similar to what Christ's baptism was like is something that gets people excited. And I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of things that way that could be really exciting. One loyal listener even responded with thinking that this would be a major way of not only cleaning up the globe, but helping to end some of the different fighting. I would agree with that. I think also water conservation is going to be another big one that we need to figure out a little bit on how do we make sure that we are able to give everybody equity within water to make sure that people have enough to be able to survive. And I think it also means that we all need to be able to uh, adjust our expectations with different things as well. But I think also it's not that much different than like nuclear fusion of if you're going to switch to a totally new way of powering things, there is going to be a big adjustment period but it allows for something greater to happen. It's kind of what we're also watching within transportation in general as you're watching the ice engines, internal combustion engines, kind of slowly start to fade away. And as the different motor companies are trying to transition to electric, there are good things about that and there are difficult transitions with that and there's probably still going to be a need a little bit for both. So figuring out how do we balance that and work that through, it's an adjustment period. It's something that we have to get used to and I think that's kind of like what is happening here with Jesus' baptism. It's this change within Jesus but also the change of things are going to change and we noticed that this week so let's just jump into it the first reading is from first Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 to 10 and optionally 11 through 20 
1 through 10 is a fairly familiar Old Testament story. This is where God is calling Samuel and he is with Eli. Eli being one of the leaders of the temple at the time. The Lord keeps calling Samuel. Samuel goes to Eli. Eli doesn't know what's going on, sends him back to bed. And after a couple times, Eli then is, okay, this is the Lord calling you. You haven't necessarily met the Lord Lie down and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that's what we get to verse 10. After that, we get the difficult message of what Samuel then has to share with Eli in the morning, that the Lord has seen what the family of Eli has been doing and how they have been kind of figuring out ways to make it so that it's benefiting them more than it should be with being in the house of the Lord, that they're not really being fully open with this. And Samuel is afraid a little bit to be able to say this, and Eli encourages him to do not hide. And so he then opens up and tells all of this, and this is the beginning of Samuel being a trustworthy prophet of the Lord. But this idea then of even if it's difficult news to be able to share, that this still happens. The psalm this week then is Psalm 139 verses 1 to 6 and 13 through 18. This is a psalm of recognition of God being a creator, but we also kind of see it a little bit more of a, sometimes the feminine side of God, if we want to look at it that way. This aspect of how God knows all of us, every word we've spoken, every thought we've thought, every inward part, because it has been knit together like in a mother's womb, coming from verse 13. And yet we have a hard time as our human minds comprehending this. And it's then out of this that we recognize that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And this is something that we should rejoice about. But in the same way, recognizing that we have this parent, like the parent-child relationship, that God knows us so well that there is still that healthy respect, we'll put it that way, that healthy fear to recognize that there's still that parent-child type of relationship that we should have with God, that we're still open with God, but we also recognize that God knows so much more than we will ever understand in this lifetime. The second reading is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12 to 20. This is recognizing that God has made each of us four different roles to begin with, and we're recognizing that, but then also realizing that the body that we have is of God's, that God created it, and this is something that we should treasure. This is a gift that we have been given, and in doing that, recognizing it that it's the Spirit of God that is within us. So, if our body then is God's, that we should be trying to take care of it to the best of our ability and recognizing in that that this is the place where the Holy Spirit within us is being housed for a period of time. And especially, I think this is a hard-hitting text, especially for the beginning of the year where we have a lot of New Year's resolutions, but I think it's also a good one to remember that it's again this idea that this is not our own that this is God's, that we are taking care of this place, even down to our bodies, so thus we should be taking care of it. 
The gospel text this week is out of John chapter 1, verses 43 through 51. This is the beginning of the calling of the disciples where Jesus calls Philip and says, follow me. And he then, as he is going along, runs across Nathaniel. And Nathaniel has a little bit of question because Philip states to him, we have found the one who has been promised. Nathaniel questions with, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's seen as a city that nothing great has come out of. And Philip says, come and see. When Jesus then sees Nathaniel, he states some different things, recognizing where both of them can recognize that Jesus knows who he is. I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. And this whole thing of Nathaniel then just kind of falling to his knees, praising God. And Jesus responds with verse 50. Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than disease. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This idea of God saying, oh, you are still so naive. There is still so much more work that I am being called into. There is still so much more to see. Just come and see. So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we do shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some direction for this podcast. It's a great resource, whether you are preaching in front of a congregation or in the pews of the congregation. I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. Not only do I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but they have the art, hymns, liturgical colors, prayers. There's a lot of great resources to help not only if you, again, are preaching in front of the congregation, but also preparing you for being in the congregation. I think it's something in 2024. I think as a group here of loyal listeners, I think that's one of the things let's work on this year. Let's be prepared for worship by preparing ourselves when we get into those pews. So I'd highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library if you haven't checked that out for the same type of preparation work that we all need to be doing. Finally, I'd also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. These either monthly or weekly reflections newsletters come out to help give some different directions and perspectives of looking at these different texts. If you enjoy listening to me week after week talk about these texts for half an hour, I'd highly recommend checking this stuff out. It is really fun to be able to look from more of an ecological lens, looking at these different texts and seeing what different people from around the upper Midwest of the United States are thinking about and being able to bring into these texts, along with hearing other ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies that can be brought into your weekly preaching or brought into your everyday life. So if you haven't checked out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising publications, I'd highly recommend that. They'll be the first link in the show notes. Come and see. Three words, very simple. But to me as the scientist, this is the beginning of the scientific process. Come and see. 
I have to be able to understand and have these ideas of something that I'm wanting to understand, something I'm wanting to see, something I am curious about to start the scientific method. But in this, we also got, like I read earlier from verses 50 and 51, so much greater things are going to be opened up to you. Is that encouraging words or are those challenging words? I think it's easy for us to initially gravitate toward that these are easy words that, oh, wow, we're going to see more things. But as we have gone through these gospels for many of us many times over, we also realize that these are challenging words. That the things that we assume are easy become more and more difficult because of how much it changes our life. And in doing that, it sometimes complicates things. It sometimes makes it so that we aren't entirely sure what we're doing. When I was thinking about this this week, I reflected back to a comment that I got from a different loyal listener a couple weeks ago when I was going through some of the different texts, and they were surprised and thought that I was going to be taking the podcast in one direction, and I went a different direction. But I think if I say a single line from a single speech, many of you will recognize it. If I say the simple phrase of, we choose to go to the moon, I think many of you probably recognize exactly what I'm talking about. This is a speech that was given by the late John F. Kennedy in September 12, 1962 at Rice University. After seeing some of the different things that were going on near the Houston area where Rice is, to be able to begin to build out what was being established as the National Aeronautics and Space Administration, otherwise known as NASA, as they were going to continue to slowly move things along. But when I was looking into this, I was kind of wondering, how did Kennedy get to this point? And it's really interesting, especially being a person that did not live through this era, we forget what's all going on. The Soviets, early in 1961, had put a man into space as part of Project Mercury. And shortly after, the Bay of Pigs fiasco with Cuba happened. The United States is looking in a weaker position. So, Kennedy approached Lyndon B. Johnson to reach out to NASA to see what type of achievement could the United States achieve and to investigate whether the United States could beat the Soviet Union to one of the following, putting a laboratory in space, orbiting a man around the moon, or landing a man on the moon, and how much would each project cost? Johnson then consulted with the new administrator, James E. Webb of NASA, which that name might sound familiar because that's the new space telescope that was launched into space about a year and a half ago. And Webb said there was no chance of beating the Russians in launching a space station. And he was not certain that NASA could orbit a man around the moon first. So the best attempt would be to land a man on the moon, but it would also be the most expensive. 
And Webb believed that it would be a $22 billion, the equivalent of $266 billion in 2022, to achieve it by 1970. When this is all happening, a Gallup poll from late May of 1961 stated that 58% of Americans opposed the idea of really exploring space. If you get the time this week, listen to at least sections of this speech. Because one of the things as I was researching this that I found really interesting is the different rhetoric that we are seeing from this political culture to the political culture that we have today. Because Kennedy is bringing out the best of what we can be as humans. And in fact, as you listen through this, this was not necessarily expected to be like the United States versus Russia. It was, can we beat them to this so that we can work together in this? So that we can collaborate more, which shortly after the speech, it became really a space race. And how fast can we do this? But we also look at that this is a moment where we suddenly got pushed to make this happen, to push ourselves to get to this place. We've talked about in the past hidden figures and some of the background information of what was going on with all this, but in certain ways, this predates all of that. Kennedy putting out that before the end of the decade, he thinks we can do this, even though it is hard. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept, one we are willing to postpone, and one we intend to win and others too. The challenge of reaching out and trying to understand and touch something that seems unobtainable at that point. Something that's hard for us to comprehend. Something that is going to challenge us to go further than we ever have before. As Kennedy earlier in the speech kind of sets the groundwork of being space being the new frontier for us to be able to explore and feeding into the so-called American spirit that we should go out and explore it. When I look at these texts that we have, let's first go to that first Samuel text. One, Eli recognizing that it's God speaking and encouraging Samuel to hear the Lord and encouraging Samuel after Samuel hears a difficult message against him and his family to still share it, to go through that challenging thing of, well, this might hurt people, but to still do it. Because this is what the Lord is calling us to do. The psalm recognizing that we are created in God's image and God knows all about us. And so then let's give God the praise for that and also recognize that. That God is never leaving us. To recognize that our bodies are something beautiful and created and then let's honor that. And however we decide to honor that. 
But I think then this challenge that we get out of John, do you believe just because of these simple little things that I know, you have so much more to learn? Just wait. And for me as a scientist, that sounds like the challenge to go to the moon. Because when we went to the moon, that opened the door to so many new things. They opened the door to, well, we understand now more and more of these orbits that we have and sending more and more satellites, right? Because we just were getting satellites up. The Russians had just started doing that. And what if we were able to communicate with those satellites consistently in the beginnings of GPS? Or being able to have like Starlink. Now, I know we've talked about there's plenty of issues that we're now having to deal with because of how we've looked at space as this unlimited resource. But also the aspect of how it was a new frontier to be able to challenge us to go further. And that was the beginning of us sending out telescopes to understand how small Earth is in the vast galaxy of what is out there. And yet, for us to have a God that cares about us, that comes to be with us, it makes it all the more remarkable to me. And I bet to you as well. When I think about the basic premise of the scientific method in general, you come with a question, which means that it comes with natural curiosity, which means that verse 46, come and see, is so important because it's accepting that call. It's accepting that challenge. At this moment, it seems easy. But recognizing that as we understand things further, it becomes more complicated, but still continuing to accept that challenge. Think about when you were first being introduced to something, such as like animals. Take deer. Deer live in the woods. Well, what do they do in the woods? What things do they bring to the ecosystem? What things hunt deer? What things do deer eat? How does this impact the whole ecosystem? How does the population of deer benefit or hurt different species along with the ecosystem in and of itself? How do these balance? It all starts from that simple question, the simple information, a simple challenge of wanting to understand. And that's the beauty of this epiphany season happening in January where many of us are setting goals and resolutions and ideas of things we want to accomplish over the next 300 and some odd days, depending on when you're listening. But it's also the curiosity and wonder of what can be, and we recognize it might be a more difficult path than we recognize initially, but to do it. So the question I have for you this week is where this year are you going to wonder? And where this week are you going to come and see? Where this year are you going to wonder? And where this year are you going to come and see? Because I think that curiosity is so important. And for me, it's that fundamental part of the curiosity that God has naturally given us to understand things that then helps like the psalm come alive recognizing that as we explore and realize the complicatedness of how our bodies are made, even getting into a little bit of that 1 Corinthians text, that of course then we would want to give praise to that, to honor that, to recognize that this is something that we need to take care of. And not just necessarily our bodies, but this globe. Because the more we understand 
and can conceptualize, the more questions it opens up, the more complicated it becomes, the more intricate we realize this place is, how magical God has made life. And then let's treasure it. Let's honor it. Let's spend time in it. And I think that then gets to where we have to be able to hear what God is calling us into and be willing and able to accept the challenge of exploring it. Come and see. We don't do this because it's easy. We do it because it's hard. Because we know that the stuff on the other side will be worthwhile. I think as we are entering this new year, there is nothing better than to accept difficult challenges. And heck, any time, it's good for us to accept difficult challenges. And recognize that we can do it. And recognize that we have a God who is walking alongside us the whole way. And who knows where it's going to take us. That's what God's there and part of what God's role is. But we are there to explore and understand. And the more we're there and walking with God, the more we understand who God is. We also understand the intricacies of how difficult it sometimes is then to follow where God is taking us. And I think that's where the invitation here is so easy. But having walked alongside, we know how also difficult it becomes, not only for the disciples, but for us as well. And I think that's the beauty of it. If it was all easy, we wouldn't want to do it. We wouldn't want to explore. We wouldn't want to challenge ourselves to do it. There is a blessing in it being difficult. So allow that blessing to multiply within us and grow so that we can share this message and recognize that yes, life is hard sometimes. Yes, life is challenging sometimes, but that's part of the amazement of life is accepting that and continuing to walk forward. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.